All right, it's cold and miserable. It's a podcast. <laughs> Flipping Tables, a podcast about stuff. Let's just get going. I'm Mike Edwards. And I'm David Lyons. And we have some follow-up. Oh, So our last episode was all about metagaming and what you're willing to do outside of the game's world itself to cheat or not cheat. But one of the big topics we never even talked about was cheat codes or using special hardware like Game Sharks to just directly cheat on a game, like just unambiguously. Yeah, and I'm, I have to admit, I'm kind of flummoxed that I didn't think to bring this up myself because i had a game genie and i loved that thing because a lot of the game genie codes were like just bizarre little ram hacks like in uh, mortal Kombat, you could make the sweat spray into any color you wanted it's like it didn't do anything but you could just like set a hex value for the color and you would get like a yellow spray or an orange spray i love that crap like i never had a game shark Mm -hmm. though like that was yeah. When I went from cartridges to discs, there was like this hard cut in cheating hardware. <laughs> I don't know why. It definitely like when you got to the the PS1, Saturn, N64 era, it seemed to die off a bit. Um I I had a game genie for Game Boy, which was this like Frankenstein Hulk of a <laughs> like it like almost probably close to doubled the height of the Game Boy. Or, you know, it was a significant yeah. add-on. And I remember loving that just because there's just games that are hard as balls and games I would never finish, like some of the Castlevanias, like the pre-Symphony of the Night Castlevanias mm. that are just hard games. Just really hard games. Just yeah. unforgiving, like kind of the even worse than Mega Man on the, like, you got hit, you are going backwards like three or four bricks automatically. Yeah. Hope you're not near a pit because yeah. it's over. Oh, look, you <laughs> fell into this open pit. <laughs> And actually, an, another thing that uh, that somebody mentioned in follow up was like, con- like rigged controllers, and I think those are actually going through a bizarre renaissance. Because I had <laughs> on Super Nintendo, I had I loved it because it was really colorful. It was like a Super Nintendo controller, but it was about twice the height, and it had little switches yeah. for each. So you could either turn on auto fire where you had to hold down the button and then it would press it repeatedly or you could just put the switch all the way over and it would just mash the button <laughs> i think repeatedly. i had one of those too. <laughs> the thing was amazing but now i guess they're uh th- this is having like a comeback on the 360 or the i guess probably on the xbox one with like uh for shooters like, have you seen no, it? No, I haven't yeah, seen any of this. No, this is I I thought for sure this was like a thing in the nineties and it was gone, but now like there are rigged Call of Duty controllers <laughs> where it like I don't know how it works, but it helps you aim and it like I just <sighs> Yeah. I didn't I can't even yeah. imagine the the research that must have gone into making a Call of Duty cheating controller. <laughs> so we'd be remiss not to mention the Konami code, because who did not use that? Do you still know it? Uh, of course. Come on. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. And then if you want two-player, you press select and then start. Ooh. If you're talking Contra specifically. <laughs> Which is a game that is hard as balls. So hard as balls. why not use the cheat code so you can actually enjoy yourself? Yeah. Which, that's like, that harkens back to a whole different era of gaming when... Because, I mean, you were one hit and dead, and you had three lives. Yeah. So... Basically, you were allowed to make three mistakes, 
through the entire game. That's not. I mean, Christ! Even Castlevania had a health bar. Like, that, <laughs> yeah, that is not. A but then Castlevania is like, what if we had bats and Medusa heads and all this bullshit? That's, that's true. And made stairs the worst thing ever. <laughs> yes. What if by walking up the stairs you had to nail your foot to each floor, and jumping is not an option? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I guess the Konami code was originally added because that game was so hard wasn't it it was just game testers i think and they just didn't bother to remove it from the game but that's what i mean it's like they had it in there because they were playtesting a game <laughs> that was incredibly difficult <laughs> when your game probably takes 15 or 20 minutes to actually beat, you gotta do something to get some replay value out of it is it that fast like, i don't know but none of the sh- games are short. that long yeah. like, like yeah the original castlevania is like 40 minutes yeah. Which seems like mind blowing. It's like, yeah, forty minutes and you're done. Like done. You've seen it all. <laughs> At least they didn't do the ghost and goblin stuff. Oh, what, you, is, what is it when you get to the end and she's like, you know, now you must embark on a new journey. So, no question, you have to play the game twice. Yes. But there's more than that. You have to during your second playthrough, you have to collect a certain item that only drops in a certain place. <sighs> Before the final <laughs> boss. So if you want to hear all about this, actually go to the Angry Video Game Nerd video because he actually beats it yes. in that episode. And all the rage is deserved in that case. It's not hyperbolic for that game. Yeah. and then, So there's one other thing that we also didn't mention that's a, a software-based thing, which is uh, save states in emulators. Love it. Right? <laughs> it's, especially when you're replaying a game from your childhood and you know some bullshit is coming up. You're like, ah, I'm just going to save state. And yeah. then you die like a thousand times, but you only have to bamf back a half a second. Great for the just insta-death games like Castlevania, where it's yes. just like, it's going to, you know, it's unpredictable. There's a Medusa head that's going to pop out right as you try to cross <laughs> that chasm, chasm, excuse me. That, that chasm? <laughs> yeah, you know, the more I thought Chaos. about this, <laughs> the more I thought about this after we talked about it, because I, I, if somebody had asked me, I would have said like, oh no, I'm a purist. Like I, I don't, I don't cheat at video games. I play video games. But the more I thought about it, more I was like, no. Sometimes I actually just want to enjoy myself, and yeah. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Well, to me, it's like I I will beat the boss, but if I don't, why do I have to go through the level again? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the challenge I want. Like, yeah. It's not the level plus boss in one unbroken stream. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think it's a little funny that it's it's like the if you consider games to be a kind of art. And they're designed, and then you're like, yeah, I don't like your design. <laughs> yeah, the way you send me to the back of the level, I disagree I with like, that. I just want to hear the chorus again. Yeah. I just re- rewound it to that part of the song. Uh, I don't want to hear your verse again. <laughs> your verses were awful. <laughs> just another chorus. So then you must love modern pop, which is just like 80 <laughs> choruses and then a bridge. And that's, then six more that's, courses. That's the oldies, too. They just managed to pack the same number in two minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And what was uh, so? There's another piece of follow up in here that actually there's a picture. Oh yeah, what, what, what? Tell me, tell me what I'm looking at here. This reminds me of the switch over to us publishing YouTube videos, which will probably end soon. <laughs> <laughs> that the McRib is back. Is that what we're talking about? No, or is this different? Th- this is the currency. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, the McRib is back. The McRib is back. Oh, I don't. No, if I caught this one. Oh, no. This is, so one of our listeners... Uh, oh, yep. Yeah, w- w- <laughs> just made a little uh, a meme of the the and it's gone from South Park with uh, his money and currency, 
which I assume is a direct response because it's actually presented without context. But I presume that's a direct response to them being hacked on day negative 25 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Christoph. That's a funny stuff. So the do, do you want to do you want to do the McRib follow just quick before we get into the the meat of this? <laughs> it was just at Stoffington, <laughs> aka my my good friend Christoph. Also mentioned having a McRib and immediately sharding and <laughs> and having stomach problems and that, that got blue really fast. <laughs> you can't even mention the McRib without mentioning the horrible after effects of yeah. the McRib. And is that so? I I don't want to talk too much about the McRib, but is that like an on-off thing? Like, does that roll out for the whole nation all at once? Yeah, well, that's that's why it was so weird when Matt Duncan was on the show and he was like, yeah, the yeah. McRib is year-round here because right, it goes I mean, back in the McDonald's vault. <laughs> it doesn't, like, roll through the states or anything <laughs> stupid, does it? Like, I, I all know. of America gets it at once? <laughs> I think so. I think there's, there's a universal release date. <laughs> <laughs> Nationwide this summer. Or fall, I guess. So, okay, that's... Yeah, so I feel bad for anyone who eats a McRib. Speaking of feeling bad, Uh, Comcast customers. Who always feel bad. So there's no way this isn't intentional timing, right? So Comcast, like a day and a half after the state of Colorado uh, reported on their election results that we... I don't know. How would you say this? We voted to allow seven or eight communities said we're going to make our own broadband. Yeah. So we voted to allow municipalities to have their own broadband separate from any private industry. Yeah. I I think it's weird that we have to vote on like, well, this is the thing I I did not realize until I, I read about this in most municipalities. There are actually laws expressly forbidding this. Because the cable lobby is so powerful. I think we brought this up in one of our other Comcast episodes. Yeah, but I didn't realize, like, I knew that the cable lobby was, like, against it and that it was kind of frowned upon. they've gotten it into law. (laughs) It was actually, like, full No one is allowed to compete with us. Law. Yeah. So, and, and like most really stupid laws, at first blush, you're kind of like, oh, well, yeah, taxpayer dollars shouldn't be allowed to compete with private industry. That's sort of weird. Until you realize all of the times we allow that to happen, like public schools and private schools, private roads and public roads. Like we allow this kind of taxes versus business all the time. So I don't see why they should be. Also, tax dollars were going to these private industries directly anyway. Yes. Um, So then what Comcast did is right after this law was passed, which I have to say, this is how threatened they are. The law was passed to allow them to do it if they wanted to. So municipalities now can build out fiber networks. They didn't say they're going to. (laughs) Yeah. So then uh, Comcast doubled for their two like middle tiers, their most popular tiers. They doubled, or they're going to double their speed. So if you have the twenty-five, you're going to get fifty. It's completely unrelated to the competition that's coming their way. I think you have one of these tiers, don't you? I have the twenty-five. Yeah, I think I'm on the fifty tier. Yeah. Well, now you're going to have a hundred. So still a tenth of what Google Fiber does. Yes. At at peak. (laughs) Yeah. And that's and remember, uh, Google Fiber, like, um, I want to say, I think Verizon Fios is like this too, but Google Fiber is 
up down. So yeah. you don't you don't just get a gig down. You get a gig up. So it acknowledges that the internet is a participative medium, yes. not just receive our crappy content. Yeah, exactly. Where I, I think, oh god, my Comcast here is probably like twenty five down at peak, and then like three or four. Yeah. Up. <laughs> It's not. I mean, it's not terrible, but if you do anything where you're interacting with the web, like gaming, well, even just video conferencing, it's just like, yeah. really, are we still like artifact connection drop doing this thing? Yeah, and you can tell that that they make a point to downplay that because if you ask the average person, like, oh, you're gonna do video conferencing, what kind of network speed do you have at home? They will tell you their download speed. Because yeah. that's the one that they market. They're like, oh, you get 25 megs down and only four up. And it's, Peak. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, if you're not trying to video conference at 5 o'clock when the entire country is watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So it's – and then kind of to uh, – I guess to play off of that, um, it turns out Ted Cruz is an ass. <laughs> so do you – I think I'm I'm the one who found this first, but I think you actually replied to him before I did. So so explain this to our dear listeners. So Ted Cruz basically his tweet makes no sense whatsoever, but he basically said net neutrality, which in the news Obama and the White House came out strongly in favor, like issued an unambiguous statement, you, telling the FCC you should classify internet companies at or providing internet access as a utility. Yeah, which is, if you've followed this at all, that's called Title II. Yeah. So basically it needs to be regulated like our phone, like our water, like, like you know, it's not like electricity, like, well, what if you want our seven-day-a-week 100% power package? <laughs> you got to pay more for that. Like, just recognizing that the internet is kind of an essential part of human life now if you want to make your way in this world. It's pretty hard to not use the internet. Um, Ted Cruz making it immediately political instead of something that I think is clearly a bipartisan, like everyone should agree on this. Let's stop screwing this shit up. Um, said net neutrality is Obamacare for the internet, basically characterizing it as a federal takeover of the internet, implying that somehow it's going to like control content and like have all the, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not yeah. based in fact. And it's just needlessly turning something into a partisan gridlock when it's something we all should agree on. Yes. And this is, and that's shitty. That is so shitty. It's really shitty. And, and the thing that freaked me out was I don't normally follow other people's Twitter conversations. Like I know that's a big use for Twitter, but I, I just never really got into that. I do it when I see something like this. Because my immediate thought is not, oh, this asshole who I knew I disagreed with on most things, turns out I still disagree with them. <laughs> my immediate thought is, oh, dear God, how many people are buying into this this obvious falsehood? Yeah. And then so when you look at the replies, and I'm sure it's worse now because I haven't looked since he, he posted it yesterday morning. When you look at the replies, there's a ton of people, all different backgrounds. You know, it's not just all like 40-something white males. Like these are young and old, white and black, like just – Across the board, people are like, you know, yeah, this is BS. And then people making little jokes at Obamacare, like, next thing Obama's going to tell you, you can keep the internet provider you have, which is like a jab at the, yeah. the exchanges. And I'm just like, this is not, nothing is that. Nothing <laughs> is Obamacare for anything because these are two different things. Like, yes, analogies help us understand our world, but 
this is a terrible analogy because this it, is, why it is I hate not this, apt. Because there's no substance. He didn't actually make any intelligent comment about net neutrality. It's just a, it's just a needless like naming like ad hominem. It is, yeah. The, it, it really is an ad hominem kind of attack, or it's a straw hominem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that that irritates me. Like, actually, make a point. Like, I've I want to hear the well reasoned arguments against net neutrality when you're not Comcast. And it's like, well, let's just kind of just charge whatever we want for every little nickel and dime, every part of our, our well, I think, network. I think these kinds of debates are the worst to be in the, especially a forum like Twitter. You know, 140 characters, but these are really bad to be in the public eye because these are not sound debatable for the opposition yeah for the people who are in favor of net neutrality they're like fair and equal internet for everyone boom 60 characters whatever and you're done and then for the opposition like you could make an argument about like additional government regulation is bad because they believe in a small government in all instances and like there i I don't agree with it but there is an argument to be made but it's not sound biteable well, then, if you're going to have less government regulation, then you have to get rid of these laws that are in every community that prevent other internet providers from existing. Because if Comcast isn't a monopoly and there's 10 other options, then one of those companies can be like, we aren't shitty about data speeds. <laughs> Buy our internet. Yes. And you would have a free market. We do not have a free market of internet access. Yeah. And this is, I mean, that was my immediate reaction was, you know, most really staunch conservatives are very pro and i mean ted cruz is a republican from texas so i mean he's pretty traditional and as the oatmeal points out he's received a lot of money from from comcast Comcast. (laughs) yeah but i mean most republicans i think are traditionally pretty free market and opposing net neutrality is literally opposing the free market. Like if you only want companies that are already successful to continue to be successful, then you are against net neutrality. If you want anyone to be able to start a new company and have a fair chance, then you want net neutrality. Show show me the internet companies that don't want net neutrality. Like, I mean, show me the Googles and Facebook and like, these are the, or they've already won and they are against um, they're for net neutrality. Yeah. And so it's like they, they actually should maybe have a vested interest. But no, they, they recognize that the reason they were able to be successful on the Internet is because they didn't have to constantly purchase success from another company. Well, and I think like Google and Facebook that offer – well, Facebook entirely free services. Google predominantly free services. They recognize – Maybe, you know, they're going to like in the oatmeal comic, which we'll link to in the show notes They, you know, Google recognizes people might use Comcast piece of shit search (laughs) if when they try to go to Google, they hit a paywall and it slows it down to a crawl. Right. And I mean, this is literally the opposite of the free market. Like this is a heavily corporate regulated and controlled catastrophe. I think what's irritating is people that are less informed either some of them are just honestly they just don't know and they haven't they haven't come to a conclusion yet but people that don't realize that they're like oh well you need to pay for your speed and it's like yeah we did and so did Netflix on the other side 
So why why do we have to pay again for guaranteed speed? Yeah, that's what net neutrality is preventing. Is like this, like well, I can charge like three or four times for the same access between two peers on a network. Yeah, and I just you can tell like when Netflix was at the heart of this, and I, I know we talked about this um, when this kind of first came up, but when Netflix was at the heart of this, the argument was, well, a lot of people use Netflix. It's like, yeah, but if they weren't, they'd be using something else. Like, and you, they paid you, for access to the internet. That's well, it. Right. Done. It, that's exactly my point. Is like you have a business and you have an end user and you have a pipe of X size. That pipe will be full of bits, period. Yeah. Like we will always demand as much of the pipe as the pipe can possibly give us. So if we weren't all on Netflix, we'd all be on YouTube or Daily Motion or I don't know. Voodoo. Yes, something, you know? And so it's just, it's ridiculous to say like, oh, because people are using this one thing a lot, we should overcharge that thing. And it's like, no, that just happens to be the flavor of the month. When Netflix eventually goes away or if it ever gets a competitor or whatever, we'll just use that. Well, it's just extra terrible because Comcast has a video service. And so they have every incentive in the world to be anti-competitive. And so this is is where your free market loving person should be like oh maybe we want these services to have to compete on the quality of their offerings instead of the well this is my land and i'm going to tax you to be on it yeah it's uh i get free rent you have to pay yeah it, it's really just a wafer thin argument and and i i honestly believe that there is enough nerd rage and enough money actually supporting net neutrality that this will ultimately go the right way i know you say all the time you hate to use the phrase you're on the wrong side of history (laughs) but i mean this is to me this is like teaching the serfs to read and write like you can't say oh look we have this huge democratizing platform that shares information evenly and then 10 years after it becomes ubiquitous be like nah jk (laughs) because now everyone's addicted everyone needs it it drives all of our most successful businesses it drives the majority of the education sector like you you just can't take it away you can't there will be a massive revolt yeah it's irritating ted cruz you're wrong (laughs) but more importantly your discourse is not healthy to the country this lack of substance, lack of actually discussing. That was the most untable flippy way <laughs> you could have possibly ended that. That's amazing. Yep. So, so tell me about this Apple okay. thing. Because th- this to me is is just, this is Apple's whole deal. Well, this plays into the bigger narrative that either everything is unassailable or the sky is falling with <laughs> Apple. It's like they're doomed or they're untouchable and... Apparently, neither extreme is actually where you should be. But basically, there was a vulnerability discovered in iOS. And let me just break down how this vulnerability happens. So if you download stuff from suspicious websites or third-party app stores, you might get an app that's really malware that if you go through several steps of granting access to this app to escalating its privileges, including on your, typing in your password on your Mac with your iPhone attached by USB, this is all essential or else this never happens. Um, you go through this series of hoops. Um, presumably along the way, it's like eight steps of validation of like, do you know what you're doing? Because you're, you're doing stuff. Do you know what you're doing? Then you might have compromised your device. And 
Here, here's the the irritating thing to me. Um, yeah, that's a vulnerability they should patch. It was exploiting some of the like enterprise deployment features right. of, of iOS because it's like pre-signed, whatever. It doesn't come through Apple's App Store. Um, is The Verge decided the headline should be the iPhone just lost its perfect security record? Now what? Ugh. And it's like the implication that it's been perfect before. Yeah. Which the, it hasn't. And the, the hyperbolic, now we should all just panic into the streets and jump off a bridge because <laughs> it's all over. Like, yeah. I don't. It's, it's the stock market crash, <laughs> just people jumping out of windows. I mean, Android has to deal with this all the time because there's always this, these headlines that are just like rampant malware. <laughs> and it's like. Yeah, if you install third-party stuff not from the store that's not scanned, you're doing it at your own risk, and you're granting access to that software. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you install third-party stuff that's not in the store that requires you to jump through a bunch of ridiculous hoops <laughs> that are even more complicated than the normal side-loading process, <laughs> yeah. where you also have to hook up to a physical machine, like this, no normal person would ever do this for any other reason than to get to this like specific end goal yeah so to call this a security flaw is like technically true but yeah <laughs> not headline worthy well and not this headline yeah i mean the because I, I love like my, my Apple like enterprise security flaw can yeah. lead to compromise iphone here's yes. the details yes <laughs> well it should be more like Enterprise security flaw can lead to compromised iPhones. The vast majority of our users are not affected by yeah. this. It's just, I mean, first off, most people don't use their iPhone for business. Secondly, most people don't use, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean <laughs> most industries do not deploy phones to their yeah. employees anymore because everybody just brings their own device. Yeah. And then on top of that, if you attach like your work email or a work like chat client or whatever, like those still come through the app store. Those are secure. So this is an enterprise application developed outside of Apple that has to be installed directly, probably by your IT people if you have something this like. And it has to use escalated privileges. Also, yet yeah, when you hook your phone up to a new computer, it it pops up on your phone and says, "Do you trust this computer?" Because it will only receive power. It won't exchange any data unless you say you yeah. trust it. Which you know what that is? Good security. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's almost like they thought about this and put work into it. Yeah, so I mean like I'm I mean Apple is a great company, but it's run entirely by human beings. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. So they have made mistakes before. They will make mistakes again. They have a really good track record. But to act like every time they screw up is the first time they've screwed up, and then a week later act like that screw up never happened, it's just annoying. Like it makes for really, yeah. really crappy reporting on what they're doing. It reminds me, like, what's the the horrible like trope, like uh, towards women, like you're you're like an angel or a whore, and there's like oh, no, yeah. or sl- like there's no in between. Yeah, yeah, you're either like a. Oh, uh, what's the word? You're a prude or a slut. Like, yeah. there's no, like, no one can just be a normal woman. You have yeah. to be one of those extremes. Yeah, especially, that's like a big, like, movie TV trope. You know, there's <laughs> the six teenagers in the horror movie, and 
there's like two polar opposite guys, one like more normal, relatable audience foil guy, yeah. and then like <laughs> slut, slut, prude. And it's like, how come there's no audience foil for the woman? Maybe <laughs> yeah. women are also people. Maybe like, they watch movies. Like, yeah, like George R. R. Martin said. <laughs> so that, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if I have a whole lot more to contribute to this other than the beautiful segue that it affords me, which is I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Made a huge mistake. <laughs> I did. So The Verge posted. I don't even remember what it was anymore. It doesn't matter. It was the Nexus Nine review, wasn't it? Or was that that was? Oh near... no! Wait, wait. It was the Guachar review. <laughs> it was so okay. So The Verge posted a review for the LG G Watch or the L. Yeah, the LG G Watch. Watch. Yeah, the Watch. So they posted a review for this and. The review is really shitty for two reasons. One, it's not a review of the hardware. It's a review of the software. And oh, I, yeah. I understand that those two things are tightly coupled, but... They had a separate review of the software. Yes. And that's the soft. Everyone knows, like Android Wear, the software is consistent from platform to platform because that's the point. They wanted the it's OEMs like to have to integrate comparing a Lenovo style. to an Acer and complaining about the Windows Start button. And you're yes. just like, it's the same between them. That's not a differentiator. Why are you focusing exactly on Exactly that. <laughs> um, so that, that was frustrating because that's just bad reporting. But then the thing that really pushed me over the edge was in like the first paragraph, they compare it to the Apple Watch. The <laughs> non-yet-existing Apple Watch that no one has touched or used because it's not available yet. It's not out for review yet. It doesn't even come out this year. I mean, I know it's November, but like... It's, it's at already least, the standard yeah, that it, all must be compared to. Uh, uh, is the Guatch is the, the Apple Watch killer? Yeah, I mean, th- that might as well have been the title of the review. And, and then the answer would, of course, be no, because it was a question mark title. But this... So I read through this, and I just... I was like, okay, I'm done following the verge and i happened to get now to here's this, where you went wrong yeah here's where I, I went wrong so i happened to get to this on google plus early so there weren't any comments yet on the post and i just said something like you know thanks verge you win i'm finally done following you i just can't like this article why did you mention apple three times in this article about a non-apple product comparing it to an apple product that doesn't exist so like i just vented a little bit of frustration and in my defense like i got you know a few like plus ones and a few other people were like yeah i verge but then there was also a fair amount of like dude if you don't want to read them just don't read them like don't publicly announce that you're done reading them and as soon as i saw the first person who said that i was like God damn it. They're right. They're completely right. There's no reason. I mean, I'm not like a taste maker. There's no reason for me to publicly decry something like all I had to do was unfollow them. And that's the end of it. Though I I hate that in general, I hate the, oh, just don't like if if you didn't like the game, just don't play it. Don't buy it. Like you don't have to buy it. Like as a like, you are not allowed to criticize something. Yes, unless you are going to purchase it. I guess like <laughs> it's such a weird hurdle that some people seem to have in their head. Like yeah, and it, <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of. Why don't on, you go make a movie yourself if you hate <laughs> this one? That's the worst. It's like so I can't comment on something unless I'm capable of making it. <laughs> So I'm kind of on both sides of this argument because on the one hand, I think if you're presenting valid critique, 
your even if it's just your opinion because i mean your opinion's valid but if you're well yours isn't but <laughs> someone's is but if you're presenting theoretically if you're presenting you know critique of a thing i think anyone should be allowed to critique pretty much anything um it's better if you maybe are making an informed critique yeah but you know you're allowed to just say like i don't like this but buying something doesn't mean you're informed exactly but on the other hand I don't think I'm not going to read you anymore was a valid yeah. critique. Like me saying I'm tired of you guys constantly attributing everything to Apple, even when it's a product that isn't on the market yet, that was a valid critique. Yeah. But then the other part of my post, which was like, and I'm taking my ball and going home. Like, yeah. That's where I lost the moral high ground. <laughs> yeah, agreed. That, that was bad. <laughs> and to me, the classic version of that is I'm quitting Facebook. Yeah. Or, yeah. And people like very, yeah, make a big proclamation of how they're quitting and, these things. And I run into that a lot because I make it a point to not use Facebook a lot just because I don't like it. So every time someone's like, oh, I'm going to send you this thing on Facebook or I'm going to Facebook this Facebook to you, then again, I have to have the like, well, I don't really use <laughs> Facebook. And like, oh, what's the matter? You're just too cool. And, you know, some people really wig out over that. This is like the, if you tell someone at a party in college that you're just not going to drink that night, everyone's like, what's wrong? Why won't you drink? Ah. Yeah. It's like, can we just, like, I wasn't judging you. Drink all you want. Like, why is this, can I just not drink? Yeah. And exactly like (laughs) the guy walking around with a red Solo cup that just has Coke, but I'm letting everyone think it's a rum and Coke. I have a Facebook profile (laughs) that I never, ever, ever log into unless someone tags me direct so basically so everyone tag lines over and over now. that's right i mean it's basically it's it's a voicemail platform now <laughs> like if someone who for whatever reason has no other avenue to get in touch with me <laughs> they can reach out over facebook so it's like the door is cracked open but it's like the the back door that i never really bother with so i don't know uh, so what do you what do you think about the Verge? And we've like in the past we've sent them traffic, like we link yeah. to their stuff a lot. But and I still like when I said I'm not going to read the Verge, I really meant like I'm not going to follow them yeah. because I just don't care. But I mean, if somebody links something, you're like, oh, it's a good article. Like I'm I'm obviously going to read it. Yeah, they still have a writer or two I like, but in general they. They they're almost like Gawker or something for tech or like they they have this tendency I'm to sure that they would be livid to hear that they they go for these hyperbolic headlines or like stuff that very clearly drives traffic they just take like a let's just like take a stance just a little too far over the line of declaring this the best or worst thing ever yeah and you will just like barely hint that it's an opinion piece <laughs> <laughs> so can this. Is this just the fate of all online reporting? Because I feel like when The Verge first launched, I remember reputable people in the tech industry that I have a tremendous amount of respect for heralding them as like <laughs> this brilliant, level-headed, in-depth reporting and all of the the you know reviews of hardware had beautiful screenshots and, and big pictures and, and everything was like beautiful and modern and and now it's just it's freaking click hole. It's just <laughs> I mean it, it's not 21 reasons the Apple Watch is the greatest watch, but it's you know our review of the Nexus 9, the Apple Watch is the greatest watch. And it's like they're not even the same product category. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely I think it's more like maybe The Verge is a tech website to normal people 
to I don't even know what normal normal <laughs> people doesn't mean anything anymore. But that for actual techies, The Verge is a culture site, and they mm-hmm. very much riff on style and culture and popularity. That's like more important than the actual details because I've I've seen in reviews where like it it hints on something more technical and they're like man just like hand wavy <laughs> like this is not a non tech this is not not even ours technica which yeah which I don't think is like insanely technical but they're compared to the verge they're way more level headed I think yeah yeah no they definitely are i guess my problem with it is i don't have an issue with people reviewing things on like taste and culture and opinion but that almost immediately becomes stale and predictable like if you're reporting on the facts of a tech product or you're reporting on the the possible impact of like a new device or a new service or something then each one of those is going to be a little bit different if you're just reporting on your tastes on something and you are let's say in this instance, an Apple fanboy, then every <laughs> single thing you review is going to be like, oh, well, but it's not a MacBook Air. Oh, well, it's not <laughs> yeah. an iPhone. Or it's good, but it's no iPad. And it's like, so then I never Poor need Windows to... Windows Phone fans. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I never need to read another review from you because I know you're just going to say it's not as good as the thing I know you like. Yeah. And that, to me, is actually a readership killer. I mean, like, you're going to get people who agree with you but then everyone else is going to be like, well, I already know what they think. Like, I'm not going to ask a vegetarian for the best steakhouse in town because I know yeah. their answer is always going to be, I don't eat meat. Yeah. I, yeah. People do seek out reviews for validation, though. Or, you know, either it's like, I want to see the press trash that thing that I don't like. Oh, yeah. Or... No, we love hyperbole. <laughs> we love it the most. <laughs> No, I I don't know. I I have to before I forget this story. I got it. So I w- we work in a big office building, right? So there's lots of people that work in this building. And I was leaving one day a few months ago, and I saw a person holding what was obviously a Nokia Lumia phone because I mean they're bright candy colors. They're very big. Yeah. Um, they have like kind of distinct curved edges on the sides, but the top and bottom is very flat. And so I just said to this person, I was like, Oh, you. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be awkward, but I I don't see people using Windows phones very often. Do you mind just telling me how you like it? And (laughs) so they they look up because they were in the middle of something and and they look up and they were like, you know, oh, it's really great and it can do this, that and the other thing. And then in the middle of their description, they mentioned that they work for a company that's associated with Microsoft and their phone is provided for them. And, (laughs) And I was like, everything you said is still valid, but it's got a really distinct like kind of tint to it now <laughs> yeah because it's really hard to hate something someone gave you for free that basically works <laughs> yeah. like if you if you just check facebook and twitter and your email then yeah windows phone is probably exactly as good as any other device because it can do those things mm-hmm. but i just i was like they had this whole like rave kind of like yeah it's re- you know it's really fast and i love the camera and blah, blah blah and it's free and my work provided it and i have no choice and i was like oh that's well, the the lack of hurdle of like it wasn't i went out of my way to choose this thing that yeah will have fewer apps and well i just couldn't believe the one person i've ever asked about their nokia <laughs> lumia it was like it was free it was yeah. i had no choice in the matter I'm like oh because well, there, there's no way if you found someone with an iphone the odds that their work gave it to them yeah Poor Microsoft missed the mobile boat so hard, so much. I just, <laughs> uh, 
just I feel for them. I like though that I don't have to hate them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is exactly it, what everyone who's pro Microsoft is afraid of is they're becoming IBM. Yeah. They're still big and successful, they're still integral to the computing landscape, but they're not hip and sexy. Yeah. Because in the 90s, you could hate them because of their anti-competitive shit, especially killing Netscape, basically. But now it's just like, oh, poor Microsoft. (laughs) You have such amazing experiments in your lab, and then other people get millions of dollars on the idea. Your marketing department gets to it and craps all over it. (laughs) Because Microsoft Research is amazing. Yeah. Microsoft Research should just be Microsoft. They should just get rid of the rest of Microsoft. They're 10 years ahead, but they just don't know how to make the viable product at the right time. I don't get it. They always come up with the tech. They come up with the right tech, and then they don't succeed in the market. So something's broken in translation there. Uh, Have you seen their, like, they have their, like, you think the Surface Digitizer is slick and, like, responsive. Like, their little, like, testing on how human perception and like how fast writing on something like until it feels terrible versus like oh this feels great mm-hmm. well they have basically a, a digitizer touch panel that's like one millisecond not like 10 or 30 so it's response like as time. almost close to like one millisecond on is imperceptibly yeah. the same as ink yeah and like even just watching the video like you can you can feel it you're just like i want one millisecond <laughs> Like I think the 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 eye devices tend around like forty or fifty millisecond response, and it's like pretty damn good, but still, yeah, still pretty freaking fast. But it's not ink on paper. But yeah, fast. anytime I'm in a drawing app, it's very noticeable on iOS like that. It's behind my finger, and yeah, I want that. I want that in video conferencing to have basically <laughs> zero latency. I want to be like kind of spooked that the person there is really like it's not like oh I'm in a web conference yeah it's uh i want to be able to play music over the internet with someone and latency does not a factor (laughs) have you noticed i mean you're a musician i'm sure you've noticed this have you noticed that they've been doing that in commercials for like decades as if that was ever possible (laughs) i mean even a regular let me sync up with your 60 millisecond well even like an rf 45 or whatever like a regular phone line still has a noticeable delay i mean if you're just talking to someone on the phone it sounds nearly instantaneous because you're actually unknowingly like compensating for the delay but like by the time they're done in your ear they've been done for a second and and you know voip stuff is just way worse yeah so whenever i see like a a commercial or a movie or tv show where they're like you know my band couldn't be here but i conference called them in or i brought them up on you know facetime or google hangouts or whatever it's like no you didn't no you didn't do that Mm -mm. no the fastest (laughs) networks in the world with a direct line would have trouble making that possible yeah I don't, it's just it great we already deal with latency locally with hardware where you're like <laughs> well you know i wanted to use this tablet to do some beat stuff but the latency in the audio subsystem is too slow no network involved whatsoever right you're like yeah. already like i can't beat match that because d- nope <laughs> yeah that's, it's just a weird kind of lazy technical writing like when they're you know trying to integrate technology into a show or a movie or whatever like, yeah, let's just pretend it's instant and magical. There was a, like an AT&T commercial where it's like a it's like a singer in the Bronx who's like, you know, a homeless guy. And then there's like a violinist in France and there's like an accordion player in Germany. And they're like, was this stereotypes? 
I just picked, <laughs> I don't know if those were the actual three cities, but I feel like I may have just stereotyped a little bit. Um, but then, you know, they're like playing music together with their like cell phones out in front of them. Did the Frenchman have like a striped shirt and a little thin mustache? <laughs> <Yes>. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and he was playing his violin with a baguette. Yeah. No, but I just, I feel like that's like there, that doesn't work now with the best technology. It sure as hell didn't work five years ago and 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. and 15 years ago. So I'm, I found this uh, this Microsoft research thing, which I'll, I'll, I'll link to in the show notes. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's like really – there's a whole little article, but really the video is the only part you care about because yeah. then you can actually see it. And it's – they they're – they're counting it down so they have a fake delay so at first they're like here's what a 100 millisecond delay is like yeah. this is what most of you deal with all the time and then they're they're whittling it down to a, a one millisecond delay and i mean that's that's a thousandth of a second yeah they're real fast real fast real fast so i think did did we actually did we kill it did we actually kill our entire rundown yep i think we did we aren't even up to an hour yet no we're not it's okay we're gonna it's come like, up short. Everyone's gonna they're gonna it, flip our table. It's like a good lecture, Mike. It's done when it's done, not when you've hit the fifty five minutes before the bell rings. <sighs> you, you got time. No. You got any crazy closing thoughts? Uh, I was just thinking of a, a joke. I missed the good timing to tell. Was uh, <laughs> when you're saying we love hyperbole. I, I always have this. Uh, declaratives are great. Comparatives are better. And superlatives are the best. That is a good joke. Do you, is that a Michael Edwards original? It's probably something many people have stumbled upon, but I don't remember finding it from someone else. That's fair. So I'll say it's probably not the first time someone has made that joke. We need the... I'm sure that there's It's some like kind a of, Newton Leibniz calculus discovery. Right. Yes, that's a relatable <laughs> analogy. There you go. It's it's like an Apple Watch. Like It's just... It fits, it's, it's perfect, it's beautiful. And nothing can take its place in the market that no. it's already achieved. Oh, did you, okay, I, iPhone user, did you see <laughs> someone ported the, I don't know if it was real or not, but someone ported the Apple Watch interface? Oh, I did see some mock-ups of that. So that's not, re- they didn't actually port that, did they? I, I don't know. I feel like someone made an animation, but it wasn't. Okay. Real Cause, software. Because, I, I mean, I looked at the... I saw pictures of it, which, I mean, could easily be faked. But I saw pictures of it, and my immediate thought was, wow, that looks just as stupid and useless on a six-inch screen as it does on, like, the inch-and-a-half screen. <laughs> and I, I really want to try it, that, like, the honeycomb interface, because it's... It looks awful. Like, I'm, I'm open to new interfaces, but it... <laughs> At my gut reaction was that is dumb and it looks terrible. And the fact that it looks terrible is what's most surprising to me because it's Apple. Yeah, I don't think it looks terrible. On I'm the just going to disagree screen, with you. They're so little. But that's why there's the dial. You zoom. Okay. It's like it's like a constellation. You you know your stars. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if it works well. I just don't think it looks bad. Well, I think it looks bad because it doesn't look usable. I mean, like, it's not offensive, like, it's not ugly looking, <laughs> but when I look at it, my first thought isn't like, oh, there's a Gmail app, I can get to that, because I'm like, there's a colorful dot next to other colorful dots. <laughs> it doesn't tell me anything. It does seem like they're betting big on actual apps being on the phone and not just notifications. You mean on the watch? Yeah. Yeah. I well, I, like they showed off the picture. Because if you just need notifications, why make a constellation? Yeah, 
don't know. I really want to try it because that whole interface to me does not make sense. But then maybe I just the idea of using an app like all Dick Tracy, like <laughs> yeah. GoldenEye style, like beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, like doesn't. I'm just glad I didn't see a keyboard. Like, don't put a goddamn keyboard <laughs> on the watch. Well, no, because you can write with your fingertip and send emojis, Mike. Why would you need send animations? Yeah, that's right. So, okay, Heartbeat. it's dead. It's done. Where can people find these surprisingly robust show notes? Over the hill, flippingtablespodcast.com slash zero four zero. Don't put the over the hill part. Don't, don't put over the hill. No, it's just flippingtablespodcast.com slash And you can find 040. me at pseudomichael.com or at Medwards Music. And how about yourself? People can find me at Lines and Beta. And I think I've, I've probably said this for the last few times, but I'm just so happy to hear the return of the at Medwards. Because <laughs> Medwards sounds like a real name. There's someone somewhere named Medwards. But you have their Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And someone has pseudo Michael, and I will hunt them down. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs>